welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members. Good morning, Sunshine. Hi, buddy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah. You Wherever know, it is in your part of the world, what's going on? Ah, same stuff, different day, man. How about you? Right. Yeah, not much. Not much, really. Enjoying uh, the beautiful just, weather? Enjoying the, uh, enjoying the summer, I guess. Nice. I think this is going to be the new thing. I know we did one or two of them outside. I was doing them at night a little while ago. These podcasts. And I think I'm, I I'm going to stick with the outside thing. I like it. And you're just going to have to deal with the feedback. You're going to have to do your work, your magic. Oh, when, that's fine. Uh, I'm, everything's all said. Okay. All right, I'm cool. I'm a magic worker. All right. So, uh, so what do we have? Uh, today's topic, I think we should discuss... Uh, counter UAS. You okay. Know, instead of, you know, being pro drone and pro, you know, uncrewed system, let's go anti uncrewed system today. Okay. Let's go um, anti drone. Why it's being so pronounced in, um, yeah. in everything right now. Um, as far as there's legislation on the table discussing why it's important, definitely new funding is opening up for it. Grants are opening up for it. There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's twofold. I, I, I think there's just an expansion of UAS in general throughout, you know, public safety and throughout the country. And I also think Ukraine has a lot to do with it too, which is everything going on over there that that push for counter UAS is getting more and more important on the, uh, on the military grade. And then obviously we know how that trickles down to, to uh, everywhere else after that. So, so, and you also have to play on to the fact of the fear that's associated with it. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the stuff that's going on is fear based. Uh, we live in a fear based, you know, society. Yeah. Um, something goes wrong. Somebody has an inkling that this is looming and they'll dump whatever kind of money they have to into it just based on fear alone. And that's a big component, especially since it's active, it's live, and it's being pretty much shoved down, you know, the population's throats that, you know, um, drones are dangerous. Well, DHS just did something like a, like a week or two ago. Correct. Where they, where they had a whole uh, whole demo on on counter UAS and and uh, what the heck did they call it? Um the dangers of nefarious flight or something like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? there, was, there was a video that came out not too long ago that was brought to my attention where it shows a drone being strapped with an explosive charge. Okay. And the drone is using artificial intelligence and facial recognition to subject track a target and blow their head off. All right. All right. And this, now, circul this circulated around the internet, again, leaving more and more fear. Yeah, well, so let's talk uh, about uh, the real uh, dangers of, of let's talk about it in a real world scenario for, for public safety. You know, is there do you think there's a need for it? Absolutely. On certain on certain aspects, like you have some of these um, you know, these major alarms where every news media and people just want footage. And then we're not even going to touch disaster areas where everybody's trying to get a little piece of footage for their thing. And you have insurance adjusters trying to, you know, fly and public safety trying to fly. And yeah. then you have, you know, the media trying to fly so they can get their story. There's just a lot going on. I think for public safety department or agency in a large city, metropolis, or yeah, your large city or a metropolis that they 
need to have some sort of, uh, of CUAS measures. I think once it goes outside of that and you go into those more rural departments, those CUAS measures should probably go off to another agency and be supplied by them. Um, and that's, you know, if you're doing train derailments and these like these like high risk, low occurrence events, then obviously it doesn't pay for a department or agency that's a smaller department or agency to try and get those CUAS measures probably should be pushed off to another agency. Absolutely. But, but let's see what we should be there. It should be there, you know. But let's say what we're seeing in the media, and this is this is how I normally judge what's going on in the climate by taking what the media says and doing exactly 180 from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So the media shows that drones are being used, civilian, you know, manufactured drones. Like these aren't DOD pieces of equipment. These aren't your your reapers or your predators. These uh-huh. are you know off the shelf. You know, I could buy them Best Buy or online or Amazon. And they're strapping them with explosives and they're using these in in the war uh, war on Ukraine. And you're seeing this being over and over and over and over. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, they're painting the picture that drones are bad, that these things could be weapons of destruction. And yes, they are more than capable of doing so. But let's talk about how they're doing it. Like, this is not a safe task. Like, you know what I mean? They're basically strapping a warhead to it and taking off and flying it directly into that target, like a like a guided missile per se. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're saying that, well, that could be done here. And it it absolutely can be done, you know, but what measures do we have to take now to protect ourselves from these drones? And I think that's what the push is, because there would be a ton of money encounter UAS you every soft target would have it schools hospitals public assembly buildings stadiums uh ballparks uh soccer fields you know all, all this you just think about wherever there's large crowds yeah. now um, we're not even touching parades and all these other things I, I know I think for for us though public F for you know at a fire scene that CUAS is really just to mitigate the risk of of a collision. And Correct. that is it. I mean, as far as protection of the members and secondary devices and things like that, I actually don't think that the percentage of when that would happen would dictate spending the money on county UAS for that. Correct. But uh, now, and but we do passive CUAS right now. We see it in the air, and we call PD. And we tell them, we tell them when they do a battery change, they're probably going to go in a straight line. Okay. Back to their, uh, wherever they took off from. So when they take off, if we have clear line of sight of them, we'll go to right to the source. And that's very passive. When you start going into, uh, other forms of passive CUAS, it's like looking at RF signals and, and everything where you can actually see that there is something in the air, even though you can't see it visually, you know, it's up in the air and in your airspace. Absolutely. Those things for us on scene are probably a lot more valuable than looking at dropping it out of out of the sky or doing like a, some sort of spoofing or RF jammers and everything else that's associated with it. It's just not, it's not worth it, you know? So honestly, every situation that I've had where I've had a drone in our airspace as we're trying to operate, realistically, you know, I could oper- continue to operate with caution. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been like where this thing is zipping around and it's so close to where I, it, where I need to be 
yeah. that it really was a problem. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't a problem. It's, you know, how we're on the side of caution. You know, we would land. But um, but we've been at incidents where we've seen other UAS in the area and we've determined just based on their flight pattern, like these guys are professionals. <laughs> like they know what they're doing. Yeah. And you know that they're pushed away from that, you know, that area. And uh, for whatever reason, they're trying to get video to sell to the media or, or for their own personal enjoyment. Who knows? But you can tell just by their flight that yes. they pose no risk. Absolutely. Um, a lot of the flights that I've seen where we've had like, you know, our third, second, third, fourth, fifth alarms where people want the coverage, they're being flown by professionals or at least people that have time on the sticks. Yeah. Uh, some of the shots that they were doing where they're like, you know, turning, banking, rising shots and pulling away at the same time, you know that maneuver and you're like, all right, that's not that's not somebody just trying to circle around yeah, with a yeah. drone to get, you know, a picture here and there. That's somebody that realistically knows how to use it for filming purposes yeah and has done so in the past yeah yeah there's also geofencing options where you can kind of just when you get on scene kind of just block off that area to off the shelf drones obviously if you're doing uh, a homemade build or something you're not going to have that ability to keep them out of that area but um for everything else you know dji products and everything you can set up a geofence Absolutely. And then that could be done fairly easy, you know, a couple of tweaks of some software and DJ yeah. can easily make that yeah. happen. But um, as far as going back into the nefarious acts of drone, that's what their main concern with. Their main concern with is you could go online and you could buy all the equipment you need to build a drone for under a thousand dollars, we'll say. And that's being very loose. That's being, oh, I need the remote. I need a battery. I need every single component for flight goggles, et cetera. Realistically, if you want to just build just the drone itself, you could do it for well under $200. Yeah, yeah. And these drones will have zero geofencing, zero restrictions, zero airspace requirements. Like they basically, they fly where you put them. Uh, yep. And that's what the concern is at that people are saying that this is so cheap to do that it can be used against us in, yep. in a bad way. Yep. Now, a lot of it is ignorance, too, right? Correct. And, you know, you can't blame it. It's just, yeah, it's just ignorance. And okay. and it was, that was, I'm trying to think of an, ins oh, oh, one of the, uh, I believe it was the U.S. Open when, when the U.S. Open was running that they were getting an astronomical amount of UAS hits in the area, not anywhere that would be deemed necessary to, like, mitigate that risk. And I think just by putting signs up that said no drones allowed, they dropped those numbers down to like single digits. So and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Okay. Where the oh U.S. Boy. Open is. No, happening. there's other people. There, well, there might be. I can't guarantee there's other people listening, but there might be. <laughs> so where the U.S. Open is held, there is a thing called a model airplane field. Yeah. That is very close by. Yes. Which is one of the only legal spots in new york city you yeah. could operate yeah, this so they say oh well let's have this event here and they put up a tfr for that just yeah. so you know which means the drone should be grounded that's the main issue but if you're still getting hits that's because the one of the five legal spots where you could fly your drone is okay. under a mile away <laughs> it is, it is, i thought there was three i thought uh, there's there was one, one in brooklyn 
One there, one in Staten Island. Queens. And there is two more that I okay. believe. I think it was five total. Yeah. I could be wrong. There's only a handful of spots within the confines of New York City where you can legally fly. Yeah. So, so uh, recently we just had the 4th of July. And Macy's does a whole big firework display on the water. They did a drone mm-hmm. show there. Mm-hmm. And one of their main concerns was that somebody was going to strap something on one of these drones that was going to do a pattern in the sky and, you know, wreak havoc. So they actually walked through with, you know, dogs and everything, checking every single piece of equipment that went in the air. Now, if you know anything about like these drones, I mean, they're fairly big in size, but they can't hold a payload. Yeah, there's, um, no payload. there's no way to strap it onto there or anything else or to release it. They, they're basically propellers with a light at the bottom. Yeah. But they made sure that, you know, this was all set up like and it was checked in accordingly and everything else because that was one of their fears. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, it's not being controlled by a person with a remote controller. These are being controlled by a computer program. So you would have to know, oh, I put that piece of, you know, that bad thing on number, you know, 128. And yeah, hope yeah. that you're at a 500 and something drones that are in the sky, you're going to be able to control a, it's a, number 128. A little bit of, little bit of overkill on the, the part of, of checking that out. I, I could see doing it, but it's not the company that was, <laughs> that was paid to do the, uh, the, the massive drone show that you have to worry about. It's the, uh, you know, the guy in a city park that's popping it up, up in the air and, and shooting straight for a crowd, if that was the case. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, as of right now, like, there's not much that you would be able to do to stop. No, no. You know, I, remember uh, a few, I remember a few years ago that they, they were talking about soft targets and everything. And there was some like ridiculous, you had like under 10 seconds to mitigate that risk before it was on target. Yeah. With the major, with these majority, uh, the majority of these targets within New York, just because, the, you know, those corridors where you're going, you would get a bleep as it crosses over an avenue, then you lose it. You get a bleep as it crosses over an avenue, you lose it. You know. Yeah. And uh, much like everywhere else, everything else in New York City, if if you can get something to work, keep, you know, counter UAS to work in New York City, you can kind of push that out anywhere. Yeah, but, but I think that we're going to start seeing a push. So yeah. what this means for us is. An increase in box office seats. So you want to go to the the Yankee game or the Mets game or your favorite football team, and you're going to sit in one of these open air stadiums. Well, you're going to pay a premium because they have to buy a three million dollar counter UAS system to yeah. keep you safe as you sit there yeah. um, and then staff it. And you're going to see a big push in the security side of things as well, where um you know these financial industries that have you know headquarters in whether it's a high rise or a low rise building. There's some sort of headquarters, which uh, banking, believe it or not, is a very hard target. You know, some of these banks spend crazy amounts of money on just security measures alone. Um, You know, you could go with Chase, Goldman Sachs, you know, all of them. And they all have, you know, headquarters somewhere. And yeah, those places will, oh, maybe we should get some of this uh, counter drone stuff because. Maybe, Maybe that'll be my second career, John. It's very hard to get into, Mike. To be yeah, honest, oh, I know. Well, I just figured we've been we've been flying for so long. Maybe another like in the next career will be just dropping them out of the sky. That that would be that'd be fun. <laughs> so, um, 
but uh, it's it's a difficult test to get it involved in because a lot of it requires uh, you know security clearances that yeah. most firefighters don't have, and very few police departments have. <laughs> believe it or not, like they have a couple of members that maybe that would have the clearance for it, but um, they don't have full teams of you know top secret clearance. Yeah, yeah, and and I know that the county UAS comes into play. They bring out something new, and then. You know, those, those people that are trying to do wrong by it, they find a new way around it. Yeah. And then it, it's ever, it's always, it's ever advancing with, with that stuff. Yeah. So right now, even if they used, you know, the most popular system, which is made by the company DJI, <laughs> it only detects DJI, um, yeah. which yeah. is a big part of the market. But I mean, it's not going to detect your little homemade FPV drones and everything else in between. Yeah. Or different manufacturers won't find your hotels or your uniques. The Anafi AI doesn't pop up <laughs> on a lot of things. So, and, then, and and as you get more complex with that counter UAS, obviously the price point jumps up, and that learning curve and that training curve gets wider and wider. And a department or agency needs to almost have like these dedicated resources that are just for that. Yeah, and uh, that's very difficult to do. If you're not in some like large scale department, yeah, absolutely. And there's a price point attached to it. And there's a price point attached to it too. I really think for public safety, we're going to bring it all the way back to the beginning again. I think for public safety, the best counter UAS measures are right now are uh, those very passive ones where you just note that there's something in the air and you take measures to prevent it from affecting your mission. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, until those price points start to drop a little bit. Again, not really an issue when you're dealing with these massive departments, but uh, when you're pushing it out to the other, these other small departments, it's going to be very difficult for counter UAS to take hold. Yeah, and especially with staffing, too. You need yeah. That is a position that needs to be staffed. Yeah. Um, if you're going to try to implement it, it's not like, all right, well, your pilot could run CUAS as it operates the drone, or your VO or data specialist could do this. You need a dedicated drone team, and then you need a dedicated CUAS team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I like it. I think we hit all the all. Well, we didn't hit all of them. We hit a large portion of uh, of the issues associated with uh, county UAS and the need for it and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, as as fear continues to grow, and that's what it is. And we have seen what fear can do. Yes, we have legislation <laughs> with yeah. drone legislation throughout the country. Not even going to start mentioning those things, but I think we all know. So, yeah, that fear is an amazing motivator. <laughs> yes, absolutely. When it, when it comes to stuff like this, so yeah. I like to see. I like to see where it goes. Well, we will in the near future. I'm pretty sure of it. We'll definitely, see we definitely more will more of it. Yeah, and and I'm I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on in the pipeline with DOD contracts and everything else that we don't even that we're unfamiliar with. And um, once this Ukraine thing is over. Give it a little bit of time, you know, again, you're going to get that trickle down effect where where all of those different devices kind of trickled back down into the public sector. And that's where we'll start to see like a massive spike in counter UAS. Absolutely. Because there are there are agencies and companies out right now testing the equipment that's going to be yeah. available yeah. for us in the near future. You know, and by us, I mean, general public to protect your stadiums and your banks yeah. and, your targets yeah. and your schools and your hospitals. Yeah. Um, being tested right now over in a real world scenario. Oh. So that's, you're 100% right about that. You're definitely going to see that spike, you know, 
in the near future, I would say, yeah. as they develop, you know, hey, this works, let's build off of this, let's come up with version two, but we'll, let's release version one to the public so we could get a little capital to build version two. Yeah, totally. All right, man. Absolutely. I think yeah. that wraps up another another podcast. What do you think? I think so. Send it. Send it? Send wow, it. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in for another uh, Props Public Safety Podcast. I'm Mike Wall. I'm John Wakey. See you guys next time. Stay safe. Fly safe. We always end with stay safe, fly safe. I know. I know. I know. I you, you dropped the ball, why, man. This you is why I always, job. That's why I always push it on you, John. That's why you I always push it on you. job and you okay. screwed it up. I, I don't do well under pressure, which is okay. uh, horrible, which is a horrible thing to be if you're in public safety. But hey, we all have our faults. <laughs> yeah, all right, Mikey boy. All right. Take Talk care, guys. Soon. And all right. everybody else out stay there, safe. stay safe, fly safe, and we'll see you at the next one. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, Go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.